This is a Blended Radio audio experience. Welcome to Coach's Corner with the coaches at Blended Athletics. Welcome to another episode of Coach's Corner. You've got myself, Dave Rafuse, and a special guest, Cody Blanchard. And I say special guest in a relative sense due to the fact that he's on this episode or this show more than I am. But we are going to talk to you today about strength. Cody, what defines a strength athlete? Uh, we have to compete if you're going to be a strength athlete, first and foremost. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then the, like the whole mindset of being a competitor and, and being an athlete and then valuing your performance in the gym um, as it relates to how you compete in the platform. So a strength athlete would train for the one purpose of improving competition performance, and that's all that really matters. We're a strength enthusiast, which is I think what most of our members are and what most people who go to gyms are. The training is the goal in and of itself. So the point of the training is to make you better outside of the gym. So you're stronger, more fit, you're a little bit healthier, you're happier with kind of how you feel and the way you're able to move your body. We're a strength athlete. The whole purpose of training is just to support that competition uh, end goal. So the training experience is going to be very different for those two populations. Okay, this is a good point. I never thought about it from a perspective of a strength enthusiast. So we're actually going to stick on that topic because I think that is the most relevant. There are a lot of us within blended athletics and across, you know, Nova Scotia and the country and throughout the entire world. We want to be stronger, but at the same time, I don't know if a lot of us want to do the things that we need to do in order to actually get stronger. And I'm talking about not just what happens in the gym, but as well as the biggest component, um, at least from my perspective, is eating the amount of food. I mean, I watch you eat on a daily basis, and Jesus. Yeah, it's also pay the grocery tab. That's the (laughs) big one. Um, Yeah, so to to go on that, I'd agree that I'd agree that most people don't want to be strength athletes. Uh, I'd say most people probably don't want to be athletes, uh, period, in general, especially if you have, you know, if you're, you have a family, you have a job, you have other commitments. Um, being an athlete, a lot of people will talk about it in terms of like you're sacrificing so much. Uh, I don't personally consider it a sacrifice for me to give up some of the things that I would give up to support my athletic um, journey, but most people would. And I think if you are to the type of person who looks at an athlete's lifestyle and says, well, that person has to sacrifice so much to do what they do, then you likely wouldn't be fulfilled as an athlete at that stage of your life. Maybe you were an athlete in the past, or maybe like there was a time in your life when you would have been fulfilled doing that. But if for most people, if you have kids, if you have a family, if you have a good job that you enjoy doing, um, it's it's a huge undertaking to try to maximize your performance and to, com- like, to compete at a high level. And, and what's involved in that is going to be, for most people, it's probably not going to be a super enjoyable process most of the time. So a lot of people begin their journey walking into a gym just almost looking for change, period, um, whether that's to lose weight or just feel better. What is it that gets people to the point in their journey where they think it's time to you know, really kind of dial in and focus on strength as my priority? Um, for, for most people, like for the strength enthusiasts, I think it's just they enjoy that, that method of training. Um, they either enjoy doing it, they enjoy the community around strength training, or maybe they enjoy the way that it makes themselves, like makes their, their body feel. Uh, a lot of people will have tried different methods. Maybe you tried 
group classes or CrossFit or you tried like running and doing more cardio based stuff and they, they kind of settle on strength training as their preferred method because they simply enjoy it the most. Um, and when, when it comes to exercise for you know the average person, I think it's, it's going to be best to find something that you do enjoy. So that's going to be the easiest to stick to for the long run. So you, the most people you see who are li- lifelong strength enthusiasts are that way because they just simply enjoy it and it's fulfilling. Um, and that's great. And that's no better or worse than someone who likes to do paddling or likes to run or, or whatever. Like any way we can get more people active, I think, is a, is a great thing. So is there a specific point in their journey where you feel as though people should start looking towards like strength as an option? Because, you know, even for those who come from a class-based facility or class-based program such as Ground Zero, uh, where it's kind of a CrossFit methodology, there is a pretty big transition from kind of that all the way over to like a dedicated, structured, periodized program that you'd be delivering um, with your hybrid clients? Yeah, um, I think the point is going to be a little different for everyone. Uh, and it also is going to depend on how much that person does value performance. Because we could have, like if, if you could be an enthusiast and you could also, ha- like you could maybe you set a goal, you want to squat, whatever. Like you want to get your first 300 pound squat and you currently squat 225. That's a great goal. So we can sit down and make a plan with that end goal in mind that kind of periodizes up the training to get you there. So we start, we're going to start emphasizing the squat more and we're going to start programming, you know, accessory work that's going to assist the the muscles that we need to develop a bigger squat. And then over the course of months, we're going to, you know, progress you towards building a, a bigger squat, but not everybody needs a, a, like a well thought out, like periodized plan, especially if you're training and the whole point of training is to come, or if you're exercising and the whole point of coming to the gym is to get that hour of exercise for the general health and wellness benefits, then I would argue that person doesn't need to spend a lot of time thinking about how they're going to periodize their next six months of training, whether they're doing, you know, strength training, running group classes or whatever, because the, the goal in and of itself is that hour of exercise each day. So for that person, the programming is going to be much more important. And when I say programming, I mean like the daily, what the workout of the day is. So in for a strength athlete or for someone who has a more longer term goal, the periodization is going to dictate what the program is day to day. But the program can sort of be looked at as that what's today's workout. And that programming will change based on what the goal is. But if the goal is simply to come to the gym and move and be a little bit healthier and sweat and elevate your heart rate and do that, then each day's workout kind of takes precedence over what the long-term periodization is going to be because if we don't have a long-term goal, how, what do we periodize for? Well, while we're on this topic, can, like, what is periodization? So the, the simplest way to think about a periodization is the way we manipulate training variables over time to lead to our end goal. So, so sets and reps. Sets, reps, volume, frequency, intensity, uh, it could be rest times, it could like basically any of our programming tools that we could use to get you a certain goal. And that doesn't just uh, mean strength training in the gym too. Like you could periodize your nutrition planning uh, over time based on a goal. Like you could periodization isn't doesn't only exist for strength training. It's simply it's simply the way we manipulate variables over time to lead to a desired result. So in the context of strength training, that's going to be, say, if we have that 300-pound squat goal again and we have six months to do it, um, we're going to start with some higher volume time. So that's more likely going to be higher higher rep sets because that's an easier way to accomplish the goal of higher volume uh, and a little bit less intensity. 
And then over the course of those six months, as we're building towards hopefully what's going to be the 300 pound squat, we're going to likely gradually reduce the amount of volume that we're doing. Uh, we'll probably increase the frequency a little bit, and then we'll increase the intensity as uh, the volume goes down. So essentially what that means is over the course of the six months, we're going to go from doing more higher rep sets and lighter weights to more lower rep sets and heavier weights. Like that's the kind of the standard uh, approach. And we see this in our ground zero programming, but just not to the same extent as what we'd see it in a lot of our, uh, or in a lot of your hybrid clients. So one of the things that we were talking about earlier, actually today, um, regarding, you know, what we notice between our class um, members and those who are, are, are doing the programming with you is, was around soreness. So why is it that oftentimes when people begin a periodized strength program, they aren't as sore as what they are when they are tackling <laughs> those daily wads down in ground zero? Yeah, um, volume is going to play a, a factor, intensity as well, and also the novelty of the movement. So, you know, if you take someone in off the street and you put them into, like, we'll take the new 12-week plan that people are running now. If you have someone come in off the couch who hasn't been training and you put them into this plan, like, they're definitely going to be sore. It's going to be much more work than they're accustomed to, and they're going to struggle to get through it. Now, when you take people who have been doing our Ground Zero classes for a while and put them into this 12-week program, initially, they're often the response I get is like, this is, I feel like I'm doing nothing, like, compared, like I'm leaving the gym and I'm not exhausted. Like, it feels like it's not enough work or not as much work. Um, a lot of that's going to come from, you know, in the Ground Zero class, it's very high intensity. It's usually typically a lot of volume on the couple of movements that we're doing. And it's a lot of variation in movements. So on any given day, you could be doing a movement that you haven't seen in weeks or months. Whereas with the program, especially the way that I've designed this one, you're going to see the same movements every week for the four-week blocks that you're doing them. So you're not going to get a lot of soreness from that as you're accustomed to the movement patterns and you start to build some, some more proficiency in them. And the, the volume load is much more manageable because we're trying to allow you to actually recover between sessions enough that we can increase the weight you're using on the bar or the reps per movement each week for that block. So we're trying to keep... Um, initially, the volume is low enough that can sort of uh, allow room for progression to happen for almost everyone. Because it is a templated program, I kind of went with approach that what's going to work the best for the most amount of people. And then once I get people in the program and starting, we make adjustments. You know, if it's if it is too much work for them or if it's not enough work for them to progress, we can adjust that way. But for most people coming out of ground zero cl- classes into the strength program, they are still beginners at strength training. So going with a really complex kind of advanced lifter approach is it's not necessary and it also could could be counterproductive where if we're giving too much work or too much volume, then it's you know, it could be leading more risk of injury. How important is nutrition when it comes to jumping into a program like yours? Uh, I mean, it's important for any program, regardless, not just mine, but like any new endeavor you're doing. If you want to maximize your, your potential for progress, nutrition is going to be really important as important or more um, than the training in a lot of cases. If you're not eating enough, then it's going to be really difficult for you to recover between sessions. If your goal is to gain muscle or gain strength, that's going to be detrimental. Um, If you're overeating, then you're not going to have that issue of um, not having enough fuel to recover between sessions, but then you run the risk of adding excess body fat, which most people who are coming to the gym, that's not their desired goal. So we, we want to be 
want to be eating in a range that is enough to allow you to recover and properly fuel your workouts, but not so much excess that your, your body composition goals are getting away from you. And when we reference eating enough, is the quality of the foods that you consume as important as the quantity? So what I like just to kind of dig into that even a little bit further, if you're in an excess amount of calories, which is your objective due to the fact that you want to put on muscle. So you're consuming an additional, let's say, um, 250 calories a day beyond what your baseline would, would entail. So it'd give you the ability to put on in theory about a pound, every, a pound of muscle, yeah. uh, every couple of weeks. If that 250 calories is uh, Doritos, what's going to happen? Um, man, you're going to enjoy eating some Doritos every day. So there's an upside there. Is that going to prevent you from <laughs> from putting on the muscle that you want to put on? Um, maybe depend. It kind of depends on what the whole the whole nutrition plan looks like. So, of course, higher quality foods. We're all like you could. It's not. I think anyone's going to agree that the more quality your foods are. The better it's going to be overall. If you're not, if your goal is to gain muscle and gain strength and essentially get bigger and stronger, if you're not eating enough, period, then that's detrimental. So, depending on the athlete, like it might be worthwhile to have some more of those like less lower quality foods in the diet to make sure you're meeting the caloric goals at least, and then try to refine it to get more uh, high quality foods in there. But if you're if you're talking about a just a strength enthusiast or someone who's coming to the gym for the sake of improving their health, then what's more important? Is is it more important to gain that little bit of extra muscle at whatever costs, uh, at whatever cost, or is it more important to develop good nutritional habits that are going to lead to long-term health improvements? If you are a, a true strength athlete and all that matters for the next six months is you working to move up a weight class. I think you could make the argument that a lot of a lot more of those lower quality foods, like we could have some flexibility there if you truly won't get the calories in on higher quality like food choices. Um, most people probably could get the calories in with higher quality food choices. So now we're talking about like the the mindset of the athlete and then digging into some some other issues there. But if we are talking about like someone who's who's working out for general health. In, in most cases, in my opinion, it's probably not that important for their long-term health for them to gain a little bit of excess body fat or body weight and, and muscle that it's worth trading off um, the lower quality nutrition because you're also then reinforcing the habits of having the lower quality foods. And now there there is always room in a well-balanced nutrition plan to have some of those types of foods. And I'm, I'm very much not an advocate um, that you should completely cut them out or restrict altogether as long as you have control over them. But if we're developing habits of, of like the bag of Doritos every night becoming a staple of your diet, long term that could have some negative health implications. So nutrition is a, is a topic that I think is very individual and it's going to come down on a case-by-case basis. But for most people, if we're talking with the average person who's coming to the gym, they probably will be better served by focusing on eating higher quality uh, food choices than on trying to get the the X calorie goal. Um, and then tracking calories becomes a whole another uh, potential issue and, and, and adherence becomes another issue as well. So for me, um, I would focus, I would advise more 
I would focus more so on just getting good food choices and eating consistently and then trying to build good habits over time and being a little less rigid or a little less concerned about tracking specific macros or calories or anything like that, um, especially if the, the person isn't a strength athlete or an athlete in general. Oof, that was a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions um, people have when they look at strength athletes from an outside perspective is that they're so focused on just consuming calories that they don't take into account uh, everything else that they need to in order to get what their actual goals might be out of it. Um, and for, again, those strength enthusiasts that might not necessarily just be on the competition floor and might have a, a bigger impact on uh, just a more well-balanced diet and you know falling in love with the actual movements that are involved and, and the programming involved in a strength program rather than uh, getting into a CrossFit style methodology where you've kind of coming out of that feeling destroyed on a day-to-day basis, which I, I do want to make a case in point on that as well. I don't think that leaving a ground zero class and being destroyed on a day-to-day basis is a good thing, nor do I think that we should be um, striving to kind of feel that way. And oftentimes, I know a lot of us, including myself, like that mental sensation of feeling as though you kind of left it all on the floor. And uh, I've gotten a lot better over this over the last number of years and have come to the point where I'm scaling more workouts now, uh, especially over the last year than I ever have, because ultimately I feel like I've come closer to understanding what my goal, my day-to-day goal is. And that doesn't involve me walking around, uh, you know, feeling extremely uncomfortable due to the fact that I crushed myself the day before. So, you know, putting it into perspective here, when we are tackling uh, a workout on ground zero, we can scale it, we can dial back and we can move um, just to move and get a lot out of it. It's, and it's, it's like, especially if your goal is to get better at the at the movements you're doing or at the training that you're doing, if you're having excess soreness every week between most of your workouts, that's actually going to impair your performance day to day. That's going to impair your ability to make technical improvements most likely. Like if you're so score, sore that you're having problems like warming up and, and, and say like squatting to the best of your abilities because everything is just so tight and rigid and it's uncomfortable to do so. It's going to be hard to, to practice good reps and good technique and all the work you do in that next class. And then ultimately, like whatever you're practicing, that's the movement that you're going to do when you're under a lot of fatigue uh, or at near maximal efforts. So then when you get into a workout that has like even if it's something simple as like air squats or a light squat, you see who's been practicing good technique and who hasn't because the technique will deteriorate as fatigue accumulates across that workout. So excess soreness could be actually getting in the way of you making better progress over the long run, which is something I talk a lot about with the people who are doing my strength programming. They're, you know, initially often if they come from class, they wonder like, why, how come I'm not getting sore? Like, does this mean I'm not going to make progress? And usually it's quite the opposite. It's like you're able to come into each workout and do the movements to the best of your ability, kind of get the most out of each specific movement and each session. Then you go home, you feel good after your training. Like you might not get that same uh, endorphin rush that you get when you just completely spent after a hard workout and you're lying on the floor in a pool of sweat. Like 
that is a, a feeling that a lot of people come to enjoy. Um, and I get it. Like you won't get that same feeling doing strength programming very rarely anyway, but you'll leave the workout feeling good, feeling like you could do a little more. And the next day when you come back in the gym, you actually can do a little bit more. And then if you add up that little bit of extra every time you come back to the bar over the course of months and then years, that's a lot of progress versus we, like you'll see it with people in classes or just people in like in any endeavor, it could be strength training as well that come in like give max effort in every single workout and they get to, they'll make good progress for a short time, but they get to a certain point where it's like they're capped out. And then you'll see someone who's coming to the gym for years and lifting the same weight over and over again or doing the same workouts and never really improving. Yeah, that's some amazing advice and insights. Listen, if, if you're interested in strength training, how it works, you have some questions on it, you've got to reach out to Cody at Cody at blendedathletics.com. You can also find him on Instagram at saltwaterstrength, uh, which is his Instagram handle on there. And, you know, he's here to assist you guys in finding, you know, what it is that you want to do and guiding you along the way. Before we jump off to to kind of to address a little bit what one thing you mentioned about classes and that you've been scaling a lot more recently than you had in the past and I think that's that's great and it's an admirable thing to take more ownership over your body and your progress in those workouts. You talk about um, sandbagging though. I'm sandbagging. Is, well, you sandbagged the other day. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you got caught. <laughs> there's a difference between scaling appropriately and sandbagging. But I think a lot of people there's a there's a misconception in the fitness industry in general that more effort will yield better results and I, I that's just like to me that's not true over the long term um, if you're training for health and general wellness like coming in and crushing yourself every day might actually be running counter to those goals like you want to come in and move and get a good workout in but you don't need to be giving max effort every single day in order to have uh, decent results and to, to improve you know, the general health and wellness markers I love it. All right. If you guys have questions, reach out to Cody. Join us next time on another episode of Coach's Corner. If you have any suggestions on what you want to hear your coaches talk about, shoot us a line. Thanks for listening to the Splendid Audio Experience. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave it a five-star review, share it with your friends, and subscribe.